0: Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. I've... uh... I came, we were on vacation last week in our anniversary, got back in town late Wednesday, Wednesday night, and uh, then got a few errands done on Thursday and sat down in my study. I had therapy at 7.30 uh, Thursday morning, got home, back to the house at about 8.30 and went to my study, and I stayed there all day long, all day long. I don't know how these fellows get these great messages. Uh, I know it takes a long time. It takes a long time. And uh, the message Brandon preached Sunday night, Brother Chris, we saw both of those watching the live stream, my wife and I. And uh, it takes a lot of time to get together a message. And so I worked all day on it. And I never really came to any kind of conclusion about what it was to be about or where it would fit. But I knew the Lord had laid it on my heart earlier this year. And to put an emphasis in 2023 on our hearts, the, our hearts, and perhaps trying to reach people through the door of their heart. I think you can change people if you can change their heart. I'm not sure you change anybody by changing their mind. I'm not sure that you change anybody by changing their direction. I'm not sure that you really enact a change in someone if you can coerce them or convince them to do better. But I believe this, according to the scripture, and I'm getting more and more that way, that you can really change a person if you change your heart. We heard so many great testimonies down at the camp last couple of nights. And for you 15 or so guys that were there with us at the camp, uh, it was just an unbelievable time. An un- what did they use an unprecedented time and, uh, uh, in, in politics? And, and the testimony after testimony, brother, brother Arthur's testimony and about his childhood and his rearing and uh, how God brought him up or Brother Lent's giving his testimony. And I love that. I love to hear that, uh, how God has worked but it always came back to something, if, if it's going to be, be long term and it's going to make it through the tough times and through the storms that we heard about this morning, I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it's got to be real. It's got to be real. It's got to be far beyond your imagination and your thinking and your academia. And and all of those kind of things and your knowledge and and it's got to go it's got to reach all the way into the recesses of our heart, and so here the apostle Paul and so I want to I want to speak to you for a few moments tonight and I think it's kind of in line with revival. It's just three little bitty. It's three little short passages, but a whole lot of content. A whole lot of content. And so here in the, in these verses we're going to be thinking about a purposeful. Notice with me the Apostle Paul In 2 Timothy chapter number 3 In verse number 10 uh, We'll read down through verse number 12 But thou hast fully known my doctrine I'm going to pause there for a second My manner of life Another pause The next word Purpose My faith My long suffering My charity my patience, my persecution, and afflictions, which came unto me in Antioch, at Antioch, and Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so I thought, it, it, when I'm reading through these, and I like to spend time uh, in these uh, church epistles, as Uh, Being a pastor, I think we learn a lot about church from these uh, 12 or 13 books in the Bible uh, through the Apostle Paul. But looking at it again, verse number 10, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. No doubt about that. I guarantee you when you start reading the writings of Paul, you're going to get some Bible doctrine. Whether you want it or not, you're going to get it. Whether you believe it or not, you're going to get it. Whether you receive it or not, you're going to get it. Doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not, you're going to get it from Paul. No doubt about his doctrine and his manner of life. Oh, what a change Jesus made in him. Probably one of the most drastic changes in all the scripture. The apostle Paul from the road to Damascus and, uh, and throughout his life until his death. And so, but then, and he mentions his faith, no doubt about his faith, No doubt about his long suffering. What about his charity and his patience and his obvious persecutions? He enumerates them on a couple of occasions. He gives us a list of all of his persecutions and afflictions, but right in the middle of all that, we have this simple word, his purpose. We learned on Friday night, night, uh, Brother Joe Arthur was preaching. He was preaching about John, the beloved disciple, and he gave us the four places, three or four places in the book of John where it said that the disciple that Jesus loved, and, and he really built on this thing for a long time, and if you get a chance to hear the message, you need to hear it. Uh, and uh, But he was talking about that, you know, that that John was there at uh, at the uh, at the Lord's Supper, and he put his head over on the breast of, but he made, that, he made that choice. He took that seat. Brother Joe went on to say, he said, uh, Bartholomew, you could have sat there if you wanted to. Peter could have sat there, if, but John wanted to be close to Jesus. And then he dealt with, of course, at the cross and Mary and all of those. And, and, um, and it was such a great message. And uh, just the, the, just the uh, outline was worth listening to. But the reality of it is, we do things, and I've been studying this message uh, that day. And uh, if you're going to have revival, it's going to be something that you do on purpose. It's not going to fall in your lap. It's not going to float down out of the sky. The evangelist isn't going to bring it in his suitcase. It's not going to be in his message. It won't be in the singing. All of those things will contribute to it or we wouldn't have all that. But the reality of it is, if you have revival this week or next week, I'm talking about a real revival of the heart. It's going to be something that you purpose to do. It's not just going to, overwhelm you it's it's gonna i like the way brother rufus Edmiston the way he kind of outlines revival he said if you put a little bit in it you'll get a little bit out of it he said if you put more in it you'll get more out of it but if you put a lot in it you're going to get a lot out of it and so it's a matter of choice some people don't want revival. Some people, when when the church announces, the pastor says we're having a revival certain date, certain uh, time uh, of the year, spring, fall, summer, whatever the revival time is, and uh, names the preacher that's coming, and uh, and people, some people automatically start changing their schedule so they won't have to be at revival meet. I know that happens because I did it one time after I got saved. That's before I was called to preach, by the way. I don't have time to get into that story tonight. But I'll tell you what, God blistered me for that, my friend. And uh, he sure let me have it. He sure let me have it. And so let's look at these things. There's three places in the scripture that it uses this term, or these terms, this, this kind of a phrase, that somebody purposed something in their heart. We find it three times in the scripture. Now, the heart is mentioned over 700 times in the scripture, but the purpose heart is only mentioned three different places in the scripture as far as I know. Here's some other descriptions of the heart. In Genesis 8, 1, it talks about a man's heart and it says, man's heart is evil from his youth. In Exodus 7, there's just 10 of these, I'll hurry along. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. So now we have an evil heart and we have a hardened heart. In Exodus 35 and verse number five, whosoever is of a willing heart, an evil heart, a hardened heart, a willing heart. In Exodus 35 and verse 21, and these are just a handful of them, over 700 of them in the scripture. And, And he said here, he said, everyone whose heart stirred him up, a heart that is stirred up, In Numbers 32 and verse number 7, And wherefore discourage ye the hearts of the children of Israel. A discouraged heart. In Deuteronomy 2.30, the Bible said, For the Lord thy God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate. You know, I didn't really know what that was. I didn't know what it was, so I had to look it up. And so now the the Lord took this heart and made it hard and obstinate it means to be stubborn and unyielding it's almost to the place that there's no turning back somebody goes that far Deuteronomy 11:13 to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and Deuteronomy 11:16 take heed to yourselves that your heart be not Deceived, a deceived heart In Deuteronomy 28 and 47 And with gladness of heart Romans 10, 10, I can't leave this one out. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So just 10 ways to describe the heart of man. It's evil, it's hardened, it's willing, it's stirred, it's discouraged, it's obstinate, stubborn, or unyielding. There's a heart to serve with. There are hearts that are deceived. There are hearts that are glad. And there are hearts that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But what about having a purposeful heart? Turn with me, if you would, in the book of Acts, and I'll, I'll go through these very quickly tonight. Here in Acts chapter number 11, I saw this the other day when I was teaching Sunday school. And uh, of course, Acts chapter number 11 in verse number 26 is that verse where uh, the Christians, uh, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And if you take time and go through your Scripture and look at all the places they went and all that they went through and all of those towns, they never called them Christians until they got to Antioch. Uh, To be a to be a Christian is a little bit more than just to be saved. There are plenty of people that are on their way to heaven that might not look like a Christian presently, and there's probably times in your life and times in my life that I really don't look like a Christian and act like a Christian. And uh, and so they finally came to the place they weren't calling each other. Hey, we're Christians. We're Christ-like. They weren't. uh, They they weren't forming those opinions about themselves. They were just doing the work of God, going about the business of God. And the people started calling them Christians because they looked so much like Jesus. They looked so much like Jesus in their lives. Let me hurry through this if I can tonight. In Acts chapter eleven and verses ten through thirty, we have a great story, and uh, this story, uh, there's some wonderful things that are going on, and it's building up, uh, the, uh, uh, it's building up in such a way that that uh, they finally come to the conclusion that these men are indeed Christians. They are Christians, but in verse number twenty three is our is our springboard verse that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. The first time we want to make mention of this matter is with purpose of heart, they should cleave or would cleave unto the Lord. And so number one in our outline tonight, and we'll have three simple points, a purposeful heart, that's not easy for me to say, a purposeful heart, there's one that's worse than that, by the way, uh, a purposeful heart in relationship, in our relationship to God. They purposed in their heart that they would cleave unto the Lord. That is only going to happen if you do it by choice. Our Lord is a gentleman. He's not going to impose on you, but you can get as close to him as you choose to get to him. You can walk with him and you can talk with him. You can be a friend. I'll be a friend to Jesus, the old song says. You can be everything that you want to with him and to him. But it's up to you and it's up to me. Look at at it again. That with purpose of heart. Paul said, I have purpose. He said, I've got my doctrine. He said, I've got my manner of life that I live. He said, I walk circumspectively in this world. He said, I try to live above reproach. I try to do all the things that I can. And all of that, all of it is based on that single word in our text, the word purpose. The things that we get, that we accomplish and do well with are the things that we purposely do. We do well when we choose to do a certain thing and do it well. Here's some things that were going on. In uh, verses 19 and 20, they were preaching. We don't have time to read all the verses. I want to get on down the road as quickly as we can. In verse number 19, he said that they were preaching the word of God. He said they're uh, only unto the Jews. In uh, verse number 20, they were preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. That's two good things to preach, isn't it? Uh, preaching the word and preaching Jesus. What a novel idea. <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of amazing, isn't it? But how can you just, how can you do that again and again and again? Just preach the word. That was Paul's Admonition to young Timothy: Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and so on and so forth. And so we see that that we do this with purpose of heart. They were preaching on purpose. In verse number twenty-one, they were winning souls. They were winning souls. It said in verse number twenty-one, "And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord." The third thing is they were evangelizing. In verse number 22, they were evangelizing. They sent Barnabas forth. Let's don't get tied up on any of these. I just want you to see the three times in the scripture, and the first one has to do with our relationship to him. That's where everything hinges. I think we ought to have a good relationship with the church and God's people. And want to love our neighbors, ourselves, and want to have a good relationship with our family. But there's something about having a good relationship with him that kind of kick starts everything else. If we don't have a good relationship with him, if I, don't have, if, if I don't have what they did here, they purposed in their heart that they would cleave unto the Lord, and they did, and in purposing in their heart to cleave unto the Lord, they give us an example of what we can do. We ought to be close to each other. We sure ought to be close to the Lord, have, have, do we not? And so we see that the, the first mention of it in, in our message tonight, a purposeful heart in relationship. In verse number 23, they were exhorting one another. In verse number 5, they, were, uh, they had discipling. They were discipling one another, led to them being called Christians. The little, the little uh, Latin suffix, I-A-N, it, it simply means to belong to, to, uh, to, to belong to. And in order to belong to him, you've got to be born right, you've got to believe right, you've got to behave right. Barnabas, it describes him in verse number 24. It said that he was a good man. I like that. He's a good man. Not anything great about any of us, but I tell you, we can live right and we can do good. We don't have any righteousness of ourselves, and we only have a few ounces of goodness about us, but we can take that little bit of goodness and let God multiply it in our lives, and we can can brighten the corner where we are, we can can shed a little light, we can shed a little joy, and shed a little cheer, and make a difference all around us. If we have a good relationship to him. He's a good man, he's full, full of the Holy Ghost, he was full of faith, and he added people to the Lord. Let's look, if you would with me, in the second place in the scripture that we'll look at, in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel we'll look at the second thing. I want to quickly get to the third thing because it's on my heart tonight. Uh, The first one is that uh, a a purposeful heart in relationship. I call this one in the book of Daniel, and it's in chapter number one, a purposeful relationship in... uh, a purposeful heart, that is, in discipleship. Daniel was a man of conviction. You don't hear that word often, do you? I'm not, I don't think we have it in the scripture. We have, we have the word, and I preached on conviction one time, and so I remember this about it. I don't remember the message, but I do remember this. The word convincing is in the scripture. And, and, it's, and, and that's the word that we get the word conviction from. And that's what the Holy Ghost does. When he has come, he will convince the world of righteousness and judgment and so on and so forth. And so we, there's, there's still this old-fashioned kind of archaic term called conviction. Conviction. And and it used to be something that we held dearly to us, but now we've, in our modern day society, to to have conservative conviction about us and and to to try to to do as the Bible teaches us to do, uh, it's hard to be in the mainstream. It really is. Sure it is. But Daniel was a man of sound conviction. I don't know what your convictions are tonight. Hey, there, people have some weird ones. They really do. I mean, I've, I've heard some really weird things that people say. And, and when we say, this is, this is the way I believe it, we're, we're given our conviction about it, what we believe about it. We're trying to convince someone else. And so it, it's a, it's, it, but there's some strange things, some strange convictions. And But look in verse number eight. Well, before we look in verse number eight, let's see what's happened in the life of Daniel. You know who Daniel is. You know the story of Daniel. You know how that uh, in the early part of the chapter, how that, uh, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had come in and, and taken over the kingdom of Judea and Jehoiakim, and he had taken uh, some the items back, uh, back into Babylon, and he'd taken a group of young people back into Babylon with him, and Daniel was one of those young people. And so in verses two and verse number three, it tells us that they had changed Daniel's location. I remember preaching a message and it's it's written in one of my other Bibles. 800 miles away from home, how will you act? How will you act? You see, character is not what what we are around here. Uh, uh, Having character and, and integrity is not necessarily what we do at church. At church, we sing and we worship and we pray and we talk and we and we testify and we do all those kind of things. Doesn't take a whole lot of character to do that, but he's 800 miles from home. How will Daniel act now? What kind of conviction will Daniel hold to now that he's 800 miles from home? I'm always so proud of the of young people when they go off and go to college and uh, we've had them we we've, we've had them 100 miles from home and we've had them across town and we've had them 200 miles and 300 miles and and uh, and how they do when they get away from home how will Daniel do what will Daniel do in these adverse circumstances that he's been placed in how how do you do When you get away from the house and get away from the church and get away from the family. Listen to me for a moment. They changed his location. Sure they did. In verse number three, they changed his environment. Everything was different than than what Daniel had been used to. But let's don't get bogged down. In verse number four, they changed his education. Here was a young man that was was raised in in the ways of. Of his ancestry, he was way, uh, raised in in the laws of of the Jewish nation, and now he's over in the heathen nation, and they've changed his educational principles. why over here, in where Daniel was at, where he was going to school at when he was a little boy, in the Hebrew schools, uh, they they learned that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, but maybe over in the Babylonian school, they're saying, no, 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 that's not the truth at all. The way that it really happened was somewhere at one time. I remember it was a few billion years, and then it was a whole bunch of billions of years, and then it might have been a trillion years. I mean, to miss it that far, they probably missed it altogether. But they were—they were maybe over in the Babylonian school. They said, Daniel, that's not the way it happened. What happened, there was this big explosion and it took place and out of that we have the universe and we have, the, we have all of the Milky Way. We have the other galaxies and we have the sun and the moon and the stars and, and everything that we have. They changed his education. I tell you, when you go off to school, you better, you better have a good foundation in this Bible and, and don't say you don't know what you're talking about. I've told you about uh, one of my cousins many years ago raised in a good Christian home. And uh, when he came home from the university, he was a full-fledged evolutionist. Fully, I mean, all, And we had, we had debates and we had arguments and uh, you could not get him back to where he was as a little boy. Couldn't do it for anything. And there's a lot of, lot of churches and there's a lot of preachers They uh, believe in evolution. I don't know what I'm doing over here, but I'm just telling you, they they changed Daniel's, they changed his location, they changed his environment, and they changed his education. Verse number five, they changed his diet. And then finally, in verse number six and verse number seven, they changed his name. Sure they did. They changed his name. They said, you're not, no, no, no. You're not going to have, you're not have this, this Christian name. You're not going to have that. And so they, his name was Daniel. and, and so the, uh, and, it, and it very simply means that God is my judge. God is my judge. They said, no, you can't have that name. We're going to change your name. They changed everything about Daniel. They changed his name to Belteshazzar, and it it very simply means "one who will protect his life." And uh, that didn't fit Daniel well at all because Daniel did he not go down into the lion's den? Huh? Daniel's not worried. That's not a that's not a good character. characterization of who Daniel is. Daniel is a man that believes that God is a judge of heaven and earth and he's not worried about his own life. And so they changed all these things about Daniel. Now here's, here's a purposeful heart in conviction. Now we can, they changed everything but they didn't change Daniel. <laughs> they changed everything around him but they didn't change his heart. They changed his diet They changed uh, where he was living. They changed where he was going to school. They changed everything about Daniel. But they never changed his heart. For in verse number eight, here it is again, the second time in the scripture. But Daniel purposed in his heart, there it is, that he would not defile himself with a portion. I don't have time to finish that story. You know, the end of the story. Let's look at the last one very quickly. Time has come and gone, as it uh, seems to do that lately. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, not only do we have a purposeful heart in relationship, they purposed in their heart that they would cleave unto the Lord. We have a purpose in heart in our discipleship, our conviction. Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel didn't write it down ten times and say, and I, he didn't write it down ten times and then sign it at the bottom. And said, "I'm going to stick to this." He had purposed it in his heart. There's one final one, and it's found here in 2 Corinthians, chapter number nine, and it's a purposeful heart in stewardship. May I say this about it very quickly: a purposeful heart. In our giving. It's not always easy for Baptist preachers to run down this road. But I want to run down it for just a moment if you allow me to, okay? To purpose in our heart about our stewardship. Our stewardship. Our verses number seven. Every man as he purposeth That's the one that's hard for me to say. I always have trouble with with those uh, uh, E-T-H's. And uh, they don't want to come out right. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. When you read these verses, we don't have time to read. I I wish we could read, let's read at least a few of them. And you're going to see something. I want you to see something tonight about your heart in relationship to your giving. He said, therefore, in verse number five, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty. Whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetous. Verse number five. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly. Or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always have an all sufficiency in all things, may abound in to every good work. And uh, then he goes on, We may, we, if, if, if I can do this in the next five or six or seven minutes, I'd like to do it. But he uses a word at the beginning of the chapter, it's found in verse number one, I'm not sure we have that for you on the screen, you can look at it in your Bible. But he uses a word, I don't know if it's used anywhere else in the scripture. He says, for as touching the ministering of the saints, keep that in mind, it is superfluous for me to write unto you. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. Or who knows what that word means? You know what Paul's saying? And this is what I say to you tonight. This is a generous church. Paul is saying to them, it's a, and, I, and I wrote it down, it's unnecessary that I tell you this. And for the most part, it's needless that I'm telling you this tonight, for the most part. And, uh, and what he's saying is that you, you you've got it. You've got it. But let's be reminded of a couple of things tonight. And uh, in this matter of our giving, notice he gives us in verse number five, the exhortation of giving, in giving. The exhortation, the exhortation that we should give. But you see, we're giving, it's a ministering thing. That's what he said in verse number one. It's 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 ministry to the saints. Uh, Because we give, we have this beautiful place to be comfortable, for the saints of God to be comfortable. Because of our giving, because of our purpose and our heart to give, we're able to send missionaries around the world. Because people purpose, and that's what he said, it's superfluous. He said, you're already giving. You already do a good job at it. He said, you're like the church at Macedonia. He said, they gave first of themselves. And he said, I know you people down there, you're going to give. Even when it hurts to give, you're going to keep on giving. And you've always given. And you're always ready to help your neighbor like we did this morning. That's Victory Baptist Church in a nutshell. I mean, I didn't come to town yesterday. I've been around here a while, and I've seen people give when they had to go down to the bank and borrow the money to give. Hey, they had a revival over at Morningside Baptist Church. I thought about it yesterday. A young fellow walked up to me at the camp, and he said, he said, when I saw you, he said, I thought you were Bill Stafford. I don't even know if any of you remember Bill Stafford, great Southern Baptist preacher from up... Maybe in Tennessee, and uh, I—he used to come over and preach at Morningside. But he preached a revival over there one week, and uh, and he got to preaching on giving, and uh, there were apparently a lot of people that hadn't been given, and uh, I forget what all, back. This was probably, man, this this was probably back when Brother Foles was there, so it's probably back in the eighties. When I first came here and he preached a message and and people were so convicted about their giving, they went down to the bank and borrowed money to catch up their tithe. Now that's purposing in their heart to give. The exhortation to give. In verse number six, we have an example of giving. We have an example of giving. And if you, if you sow a little bit, then you get a little bit. And if you sow a lot, then you, in turn, and I can't help it, it's what the Bible says. He blesses you with a lot back. Now here's what we got to see tonight. Here's what we got to see tonight. And I want you to see this. So you can give from your heart. Everything about the tithe in the scripture is is positive. It's not a negative subject. You're going to see that in just a moment. He he has the example of giving and there's the encouragement to giving in verse number seven. I like this one in verse number eight. The enough of giving. Notice what he said in uh, verse number eight. I wish we had time to look at all these individually. Here's, Here's... you're going to if you give and if you tithe, you're always going to have enough. And I don't understand it. I can't explain it, but I can tell you what God said about it: that God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always have an all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I don't understand it, but God God said it. And then finally, the enrichment of giving. And uh, let's read, begin reading in verse number 9. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad and hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. In uh, verse number 10, here, here, here's the good thing. He said, Now he that ministers seed both the sower, uh, the sore both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Look at this, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth uh, through us thanksgiving unto God. Look in verse number 12. For the administration of this service is not only supplieth the want of the saints, but it is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. He said, whilst the experiment of ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. And by their prayer for you, which long, after, uh, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, and then the verse that always signed below my name, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And so here's the positive thing. That's the enrichment, that's the word he used in giving. There's there's always enough, and then there's always more. Giving is a positive thing in the Bible. Tracy, you can go on and make your way down to the piano. And so we're talking about the purpose of heart in our giving. Here's what happens when you give. Here's Here's some of the phrases out of the scripture. Every one of them are positive. Nothing bad about it at all. It's not anything bad about our giving. He said he'd do something like this. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer. That's good, ain't it? Hmm. He said, I'll pour out blessings. What's wrong with that? He said, I will fill your barns. He said, I will... Add to you running over. Press down and running over. In our text, here's the words that he uses. He uses the word bountifully. He uses the word abounding. He uses the word sufficient. There's seven of them. He uses the word multiply. He uses the word increase, the word enrich, and the word exceeding to describe what he will do for you if you have a heart of purpose in your giving. What he will do for you. Sure, we need revival. We need revival. It's yet to be seen what a church could do if 100% of the people tithe. The average in America is less, now it's less than 25% of attendees in church are tithers, less than 25%. I don't keep up with anything. I don't keep up with any books. I don't know anything. I don't know any more than you know about what other people give in the church. But Jonathan told me sometime, maybe a year ago or a few months ago, he said it was in the, in the 90 percentile, in the 90 percentile here. So it's kind of superfluous that I even bring it up tonight. But it's still in the book. And it sure makes for good preaching. <laughs> Amen. The Lord will bless you in your giving. The Lord will bless you. A purposeful heart in our relationship, cleaving unto him, a purposeful heart in our discipleship will not defile ourselves. A purposeful heart in our stewardship will give because we know that God will bless. You're a good audience. Would you stand tonight with us? Take a moment for prayer. you need to come tonight come quickly I can tell you so many stories